Good morning. Isn't that amazing? Come. Come, Emmanuel. God with us. That's what we get to celebrate this morning. Those of you that don't know me, my name is Roy Wright, and I'm the ministry coordinator here at First Baptist Church. And basically what that means is I get to work alongside our ministry staff and do whatever it is they ask me to do. So if that's helping to prepare hot chocolate or schedule people to prepare hot chocolate, that's what I do. I am very, very humbled today to be able to stand here. It is a blessing. It is a great blessing. And I will be the first to tell you, I in my own power and strength am not worthy of this honor. So just know that as we begin today. Brother Fred, thank you for this opportunity. It's been about six years that he has been mentoring and discipling me. Um, and the time has come that I get to share. So I really appreciate it. It's taken that long to work on me. And he figures he's retiring anyway, so if I mess up, what are you going to do, fire him? So here's what I'd like us to do in this time and this moment. We've come in here with things on our minds and things in our heart. It's Christmas season where we celebrate the coming of Christ. We have things planned. We have people we want to visit. We have presents that we need to buy. Maybe you're thinking right now about your Sunday school class coming up. Maybe you're considering, will we make it out of here on time? this afternoon to beat everyone else at the restaurant. All of these different things. We come in here with hurts, and we come in here with habits and hang-ups and all of those things. Right now I ask, be present in this moment. Be here now and put those distractions to the side. Listen to what God has for us this morning. So I beg you, take one moment right now and just breathe and be in the room. As we begin this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I identify with the Apostle Paul. And some of you might raise an eyebrow and say, really? You think you're like Paul? Well, not the go anywhere, do anything, and preach the gospel to all people, Paul. No, not that guy. I identify with the Paul of Romans 7, verse 18, when he says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You heard that correctly. Paul, the defender of the faith, the man who met God on the road to Damascus, he trained up Timothy and sent him out to churches, and he trained up other disciples to go and preach the good news. He was put in chains, in prison, and he eventually even faced death and was killed for his preaching and his teaching and his belief. That Paul said, there's nothing good in me apart from Christ. I want to do these good things, but I don't have the ability to carry them out. That's what I identify with. 
when I'm living my life in my own natural way of doing things, my sinful nature, it's all about me. Everything that I want is what comes out. That's what it's speaking of here when Paul says the flesh, the Bible calls that our flesh, our sinful nature. I'm sure many of you have heard that term before. When I'm acting out of my sinful nature, it's all about me. And anyone that opposes me and my way of doing things, I want to destroy them. I want to win. Maybe you want to win too. I want to be happy. I want pleasure. I want everything that this world has to offer when it's all about me. But there's hope. I'm going to tell you today, the hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And he has overcome that sinful nature, and we'll get to that in just a moment. You see, the Bible talks to us about Jesus. And I'm sure you're not surprised that I mention his name and say that Jesus is our hope. I mean, you did come to church this morning. You're in a place that believes that the Bible is the infallible Word of God, that it's true, it contains truth, it's holy and it's complete, and you can't add to it or take away. That's what we believe here. And we're going to look to scriptures today to help us understand this hope who is Jesus, because if you're celebrating anything else during this time of Christmas, I'm going to tell you right now you're celebrating the wrong thing. And there's a group of people that did that, and we're going to look at that too. So we're going to look at two stories, and both reveal something about Jesus, and he actually makes some pretty substantial claims about himself. And the first story that we're going to look at is, is what Derek read this morning, and it's in John chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and turn there, John chapter 7. And we have to understand, when Jesus speaks, we need to listen. Would you agree with that? All right, so Jesus is going to speak here, and he's going to profess something about himself. And the way that it's received and understood, that's, that directly affects how the person receiving it will live their life. So when we receive the Word of God into our minds and into our hearts, it leads us to respond and live life based upon what we think about that. All right? So first story here. And Jesus is going to tell us that he's the source of life. Listen to this. Beginning in verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We have to stop right here. It's not the end of the story, but we have to stop right here and take a moment and pause and see what's going on. There's a feast. There's some type of feast happening, and this is when Jesus speaks these words and says, I'm the guy. All right? This feast is called the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. And the Feast of Tabernacles... Tabernacle means a temporary dwelling or a tent, and it teaches us two things, two main things about God. 
It celebrates God's salvation and God's provision. Well, how, how does a feast do that? Well, the Jewish people were instructed to observe this feast every year. All right? And that began when they were saved and they had salvation from slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. And then they went out into the wilderness after God destroyed Pharaoh in Egypt and the army. And they went out to the wilderness and God provided for them. He provided for them with bread from heaven called manna. And he provided for them water, which is our life. It's life-sustaining. We need water to live from a rock. I might need some water this morning. And so this, this feast provides and shows God's salvation and his provision. But it does something else. And we'll get to that. During the feast, the celebration, the priest would take a pitcher of water and he'd fill it up with water. All right? Remember how we said that God provided water as life? And he'd walk over to the altar and he'd march and he'd profess to the altar and he'd pour that water around the altar as a resemblance of God's provision. Right? So every year, folks would stand and they'd watch this take place and they'd set up their temporary dwellings and they'd watch the priests do these, um, these rituals and then at the end, most people just kind of went on and they missed the whole point. So it's at this moment and this time that Jesus stands up and says, guess what, this feast that you've been celebrating this time together, that's about me. I'm the guy. I'm the one. I am the salvation and I am the provision. If you look at this, this is, this is a picture. Thank you so much. Let it be known of you that we need water. 